Well, hey, welcome back to the Making Disciples Everyday podcast. My name is Jason Dukes. I'm on team with the Brentwood Baptist Family of Churches, and my partner in crime is not with us today. Paul Wilkinson is uh, out for this particular recording of the episode with very important things to no do. No doubt, no doubt. Very important things to do. But I'm so excited to have with me today my friend, my colleague, my hero, the wind beneath my wings, David Hanna. You know, I get that a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's I, I, often when I walk into a room, that's the way I'm I'm introduced, and everyone in the world knows there's not a snowball's chance that I could actually fill the seat of the good Dr. Paul Wilkinson. But I'm glad <laughs> to be here this morning, anyway. Well, but you know, speaking of what you do when you walk in the room, and Nicole said, like she she's told me she's swept away every time you walk in the room. Uh, yes, she usually, unlike you, she doesn't quote the song; she sings it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that she gives Bette Midler love as she uh, – that's good stuff. Um, so in case some I, – I think most of our listeners, uh, not all of them, but most of them will know that you um, are the campus and teaching pastor for the church at Lachlan Springs. And if you don't know what or where the church at Lachlan Springs gathers, they gather uh, at the corner of 16th and Holly. Yeah, look at you go. Look at that. Look at yeah. that. Right across from the fire hall, heart That's of right. East Nashville. That's right. In East Nashville. And it's one of the best places on earth, in my opinion. But Zero doubt about that. <laughs> so I'm, we're super glad. I am personally super glad that you're there and that your family is there and thankful for what God's doing there. And Thanks, thanks for joining us today. And thank you so much. Love being here. Uh, obviously, love being over in East. Uh, it's it's an incredible place to get to serve. And you, I think you did say you got to have breakfast this morning at probably one of your favorite spots, would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. Got to have coffee over at Dose. Yeah. Uh, sadly, the the post-East has ceased to be. Um, that's that's That hurts. May, may it rest in peace. No, that hurts. Uh, that hurts. But the good news about East Nashville is we have about six or seven other amazing local <laughs> coffee shops. So I get to, I did get to have breakfast over at Dose this morning. So if you go into Dose, let them know you heard about Dose from the David Hanna. Uh, yeah, they actually may charge you more, so don't don't expect the <laughs> discount. Well, just if you're if you're a regular lis- listener with us, you kind of know the spiel that I'm about to give. If you're joining us today on this episode for the first time, we'll let you know that our prayer, our hope this year is that everybody that's a part of our church family here and those that are listening to this uh, will make one disciple with Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just invite along one person into your life. We we do obviously what if they are if they're beginning to believe or they're already a believer and you do that we would hope that they themselves become a disciple maker that's what Jesus is making us to become that's a part of this life giving life we get to be in on um, but but if they're not if they're not yet a believer that's even more exciting because we we will you'll get to experience what. Even that we're talking about today, this creation fall and this restoration element of all that God's doing and, and get to be a part of that in someone's life. And so we, you don't have to see them come through the full gamut because that takes a lifetime. That's why we have a lifetime. But our prayer is just that you'll get to engage in that this year. And I know that you'll experience abundant life in a way that you never have before if you commit to that. Mm. And so excited about that. And so what we've been doing this this year, 2020 in particular, is focusing in on whatever the text was that we've been speak that was spoken about this past Sunday with our family of churches, asking then the question, how does that kind of relate or translate over into everyday disciple making? 
And then finally, what's maybe a, a thought or a takeaway or encouragement for those that are equippers out there that listen as they're equipping the local church family that they get to serve um, for making disciples with Jesus in the everyday. And so that's kind of the flow of what we're doing. But David, we'll, we're going to introduce this series because you guys jumped into it this past Sunday. And let me give kind of a quick overview of it based on what you yourself, I think, penned. <clears throat> and then we'll start unpacking it a little bit just to, to kind of give a, the flavor of what it's about. The title is The Big Story, right? And it's a, it's for many of us, the Bible is little more than a collection of stories and poems as opposed to a single comprehensive narrative. John opens his gospel by clarifying the story of Jesus, that it's more than a manger and some wise men, more than the miracles and sermons of his three-year ministry, and even more than the cross. And so this series is focusing on John 1, 10 through 13 as a framework to look at what is called the meta narrative of the, of the scriptures, the, the right. big story of God, the idea of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so the hope is obviously it'll help us. And, and this is something we said as we wrapped last episode the big story of God, in my opinion, number one, would love to know what you think. I think it's crucial for anyone that wants to be a disciple maker to get a feel for. And, a, and, a, and almost a fluency in, is what some people say, that big story, right? To not just read the Bible for what you pick it apart to be. Yeah, absolutely. And not just for the sake of a Bible study that you sign up for, but to have a fluency in this story and how your story fits into it and how to help others. Like, talk about that, just why this is so important. Well, uh, and and one reason when I, when I kind of framed this series and... Uh, I'm 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 excited about the direction this series is going, but but when I framed this series, I, I used that uh, that passage in the first chapter of John as the framework because John uh, wrote his gospel after the other three had already been written. He wrote his gospel late in life. He had a lot of time to think about what he was going to put into the gospel, and and by the time John was writing his gospel, there was already a lot of of questions about Jesus, um, a lot of misconceptions circulating. There were yeah. those that thought he was, he was, you know, a, a great prophet, but completely human. Spoke for God, but wasn't divine. Those that thought he was some sort of divine angelic ghost that was in no way human. And so, from the very beginning, like from from uh, the first verses, first chapter of of his gospel, John wanted to make sure that everyone knew that they knew that they knew. Hmm. That Jesus was, is, and always will be. He was there at the beginning. He will be there at the end. And and it is so important for us today to recognize as we read these words, as we as we begin to kind of unpack the meta narrative, the big story of of the Bible, the big story of create creation, fall, redemption, restoration. It's so important for us to recognize that that Jesus, the manger, the cross, the empty tomb, it was not plan B. That's right. God did not try six or seven different things. God did not try the Mosaic law, and it didn't work. So now what are we going to do? That's right. Jesus wasn't a last resort. Jesus was there at creation. He is there um, for all eternity in, in Revelation. He, he was not some last-ditch Hail Mary. That's right. Yeah, the, and Paul writes in Colossians, he was the sh- that, that, that 
um, the Old Testament, the law, the law, the prophets, the writings that we have, all of this pre-story to the Jesus Jesus coming, it's a strategic, a strategic, intentional, kind of moving toward this moment, as he says in Galatians, this this the fullness of time Christ comes right. But in Colossians, he calls all of that stuff before the shadow of the substance to come. Right. Beautiful. And and yeah, you're exactly right. And it, it's so crucial, I think. And I think, I think it's an important thing if you're as a disciple maker, even it, it, as you and as you are walking with Jesus, and as you're encouraging others to, take the time every time you read the scriptures to even process this question: Hey, where does this fit into the big story of God? What I'm reading right here, where does it fit into that big story? Don't don't take it out of that, right? Or you miss really, I think, the fullness of it. Sure. Yeah, Sally Lloyd-Jones writes in her Jesus Storybook Bible, right, that every story whispers his name. That's kind of the heart of what we're getting at. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. So, so as, we, as you crafted this series, obviously focusing on creation, on separation, redemption, restoration, um, in the four different elements of it, let, let's read the, the verses in John that you founded the series off of. And then if you can, just give us kind of an overview of, of – of of what you were hoping to really unpack in the course of those four Sundays. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So so the framework that we chose for the entire series comes out of the first chapter of John. It, it's verses 10 through 13, and John writes these words. Uh, he, and when John writes he, he's referring to Jesus. He was was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. That's good. That's how John opens his gospel. That's how John opens his telling of the story of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And in those four verses, that essentially is the meta narrative. Sure. I mean, John condenses the entire story of the Bible, the entire story of creation and human history into those words. Yep. Uh, out of that framework is where we get to uh, then go back to passages about creation, about the separation, about restoration and redemption, always referring back mm. to Jesus and referring back to the meta narrative as told by John. It's good. It's good. And I love that. I, I, there was a time as a few years ago where we were, um, I don't know why we decided that particular year as a family to focus on scripture memory. But but in in the course of us talking about it, uh, Jen and I ended up deciding to focus on John one. Period. Like that's what we were going to try to memorize and get our kids to memorize that year. And 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 we didn't even do techniques. We just kept reading it every day, and then we would start by asking the kids to say back to us a verse at a time, and they built up to where they could say almost the entire chapter. And together as a family. And, and and I'm not saying that to brag on us. I'm saying the reason we decided to do John 1 was what you just said, right? It was the very idea that if they could catch and have in their heart mm. John 1, right, then they had 
the scripture's story. They had the story of what God was always trying to communicate to us, that word that was in the beginning and that was also with us as Jesus and that will be with us forever. Yeah. So good. So so I love that. So as you as you unpack this every week, you're focusing in on some different texts, but you're starting off, obviously, with creation, but walk us through the four elements that you're kind of pulling out of the meta narrative here. Well, there and there's a lot of different ways to to approach the big story, to approach the meta narrative. I think the the simplest way to condense the big story of the Bible is in kind of this what sometimes is referred to as the the four chapter gospel. Sure. Uh, because it does tell the whole story, the story of creation, which which we've used uh, actually went to a psalm as opposed to to Genesis, as as you know the beautiful poetic retelling in Psalm thirty three of of the God of the universe <laughs> literally speaking yes everything into existence, speaking creation into existence, and the power behind that, and and recognition that that Jesus was there yes. Uh, with him, you know, at, at creation. Um, from there, we go to separation, the fall as as sin entered the world. The idea being, uh, in the big story, we as humans, Adam and Eve, um, created to know God. Yep. As as sin entered the world, it created that separation. We lost that knowledge. Mm. Um, but we move on to week three in the story of redemption. And, and how through Jesus, um, through the cross, through the empty tomb, through him taking on our sin, mm-hmm. that separation is, is no longer. We have been redeemed. Yeah. Christ has been paid. And, and in, the, in the last week, we'll, we'll go to Revelation and the celebration of, of the restoration of that creation, bringing everything full circle the way yeah. it was designed to be at the beginning. So good. You know, each passage informing the other passages. And that's, Dukes, it's so important for us as Christ followers to recognize how, and, and, I, and I say this a lot, um, the, the Scripture, it, it's not the words of God, it's mm. the, word the Word of God. Yeah. And, and when I say that, I, obviously, uh, we believe every single word, every jot, every tittle is the divine, all-sufficient Word of God. Sure. Also, every chapter, every verse, every word is informed by the whole. Yeah. And and it's where we can get ourselves into trouble. It's where, um, as as uh, our friends and neighbors come to us with a random law in Leviticus, <laughs> you know, how can you follow a God that says X, this. Y, or mm-hmm. Z? We recognize that 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 is informed by the whole. It's informed That's by right. the big story. That's right. Yeah. No, it's so good. I mean, I, yeah, because you think about. I mean, I was even just yesterday uh, in some interaction I do and teach in a class up at, up at one of the local colleges, um, a student asked a question about the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. And and it, it, we were able to have a little bit of a dialogue about how although we may look at and if we pull it out of the bigger story, begin to compare and say, boy, that, that seems so different. And, but if we don't pull it out of the bigger story and we put it into the bigger story and we recognize that there's something much larger going on that was intentional, that was strategized, that was planned, and and there's unique cultural aspects to every part of that historical timeline 
that falls into that, then you start to see more why God might do this here and yet do this here, and that it's not a difference in his character and nature, but it's what he in his character and nature needed to do at that time in the larger scope of the plan that he had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think I think you're right. I think it's so important that we can have a, a growing fluency of understanding our own story inside of that story. Mm. And so you go from we'll come back to the creation when I want to, I want to want us to read that. You go from there obviously creation into separation. Obviously, you know, if those who are listening, most people recognize that that Genesis three is typically where we turn for that. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, so that you go from there into redemption, and like you said, there into restoration. Um, what would you say if you just could sum it up? Like the folks you're you and Nicole are walking with up um, in East Nashville. What do you really hope that those listening each Sunday hear most from this? <sighs> You know, there are a couple of things, Jason, but but maybe for me, the most important thing to take from these four weeks is recognition that the big story, the meta narrative, is my story. Mm, it's good. This this isn't just some some completely detached uh, narrative, some completely detached novel, but this is my story. Yeah. I, I was intentionally, uniquely created and knit together, uh, imprinted with, with the image of the God of the universe. Yeah. Um, as, as sin has entered my life, there's been, there's been separation, but I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ mm. and all someday will be restored. All will be as it should be. This is my story. Uh, so often we separate ourselves from the narrative of the Bible, from the stories of the Bible, and and it is designed to inform our everyday lives. Yeah, so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, Andrew Peterson in one of his songs he writes um, that when that day comes of restoration, that he will finally believe the King has loved him all along. Mm. Mm, mm. And you know, and and almost such a confessional statement, right? Like I've I've struggled in the up and down to hold to that. Yeah. And yet I clung to it. And then one day get to finally see face to face that king that said, I've always loved you. And that was always communicating that word. That's powerful. Yeah, huh? That's strong. That's and strong. I love, I love, I love that. I love and I, I pray that the folks listening across all of our campuses will catch with the beauty of what you just said. Yeah. So go back to this Sunday focused in on Psalm 33, 6 through 9, and and thinking about that, read that text for us. Sure. And then, and then again, you don't have to re-preach the sermon, but although you're more than welcome to, but, but um, to maybe just give one simple thought that we can then kind of process as we, as we translate this into everyday disciple-making lives, as we move from the big story and then how we translate that into what we're doing in a disciple-making way in the everyday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Psalm 33, again, I'm going to be reading uh, from verse 6 to verse 9. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. Hmm. He gathers the water of the sea into a heap. He puts the depths into storehouses. 
Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came into being. Mm. He commanded, and it came into existence. The psalmists were, they were, they were decent. <laughs> we, yeah, we they should could, pay they could do some to things. Those. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. I would, I would, I would recommend reading a couple of those. <laughs> uh, you know, the, and the reason um, I, I, I ended up going to this Psalm 33 um, as opposed to just Genesis one yeah. in the beginning. Genesis one, the the story of creation. Um, first of all, there's a logistical reason. This one is a little more concise. Retelling, sure, sure. Uh, of 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 creation that we can focus on uh, a, a little bit more. But but those words, the heavens were made by the word of the Lord. All the stars by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it came into existence. Yes. Just taking a moment to sit in awe of the fact that that God literally spoke everything into existence by the breath of his mouth. Yes. All of the beauty and diversity and incredible things that we see every single day Every single day, this morning, the sunset was stunning. Yeah, God spoke that into existence. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. He did that for us. That's right. Like the, the all-powerful, um, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe yep. did all of this for us. Yeah. How do we not stand in awe of that? Yeah, so good, so good. And, and I love how you are connecting the spoken word with the word that John's talking about in John mm. 1. I mean, mm. That's, mm. That's, that's the heartbeat here. Like he, it's almost like someone might ask the question, why, God, why did you speak all this into creation? I look around me and I see chaos. And yet it's like he reminds us in John so many years later from that creation moment reminds us John gets to tell us again, hey, let me tell you why the word was in the beginning. The word is God. The word, like he's still speaking the why. You know what the why is? Jesus. That's the why. And it's not Jesus because he's just one king that we all now have some subservience to because he's some dictator. No, he's a good king that wants us in his presence, and he's speaking that word over and over and over again to us. You know that the, the... The word used there in John, that, that famous word "lagos," that's mm-hmm. so often translated "the word." That's right. It could also be translated "meaning." Mm, that's right. Which, when I read through that, I think Jesus is meaning itself, yes. and meaning was there at the very beginning. Meaning was there in the manger at the cross. Meaning is is in this room with us right yes. now. Yes, yes. It's Jesus is here with us, and that's he's right. and he's there at the end. That's right. Oh gosh, it's so good. It's so good. And I think I think I think what it does is it helps us, especially as we process the big story, it helps us to understand we were in that story all along. Mm. Yeah, like absolutely. We, right. Like we you know, you talk about meaning. I mean, that logos, the philosophers of that day, 
they would talk about how that was almost the energy that made the universe be what it was, right? And here's John grabbing that word to say, yo, um, yeah, I met the one that's the energy that makes the universe what it is, right? His name's Jesus, right? He even writes that in 1 John, our eyes saw him, right? Right. This light of the world. And I think, I think that light of the world, that even in Genesis 1, the first thing he speaks in light, and the, right in this light of the world, as he calls it, and I think, I think, I think those types of things are not just nice theological uh, Bible study component. They are real to life. Absolutely, everyday life. Everyday life. So, so as we think about that, what, how might you encourage somebody translating this idea into everyday disciple making? What's a way that you help them understand? Here's what creation. Here's why the big story matters as as we make disciples with Jesus. Well, and and we've touched on it already several times throughout this conversation. It's it's the connection to our lives every single day to the big story, to right. the narrative, not not just to to what I had for breakfast at Dose this morning, but the connection to to my life all the way back to creation yeah. and and where I am in the story all the way through redemption, restoration. Um, there's, this, there's this incredible song by a band called Towers, um, In the Belly of the Deepest Love. Now, how's that for a title of a song? <laughs> That's cool. Uh, but, but at the end, they sing this refrain over and over and over again, and it's just two lines. I tried to get to you but you came to me instead. It's mm. mm. good. It that is the meta narrative translated into my life. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to get to you Lord, but I, I couldn't get there. Yeah. The meta narrative is you came to me. Yeah. You're the one that bridged that gap. You're the one that bridged that separation. Um this week as we meditate on John 1, as we meditate on Psalm 33, creation um, and, and the entire story of the meta narrative. put yourself in it. Yep. Put yourself there because right. it's for you. Yep, that's right. See your life in it, right? I mean, that's exactly right. And you think about, I mean, here, here's what blows me away, and, and I'd, I'd love to get your reaction to this. When we are invited to make disciples with Jesus, we are being asked invited into an opportunity to speak what you just spoke mm. into every single person that we engage yeah. with and that welcomes us into that. We we are being invited to get that same speaking word, that same meaning, that same breath that made the heavens and the earth and that Jesus himself embodies. We have the chance to speak that word into someone's life, yeah. all the while, as as you just said, as we are continuing to learn how to believe it ourselves, mm. Mm. right? Like, like, I mean, just that's what blows me away. Like, I, that's why I tell people, if you're not making disciples, you don't know what abundant life is because you're not living a life-giving life. If you right. are only a Christian for what Christianity does for you and you haven't been experiencing what kingdom of God looks with others discovering right. that same thing. Like like and so I mean to me it's like 
we get to do that. Like we, we get in on the word becoming what it became for us and it, how it spoke creation and, and into the separation to redeem and restore. We get to do that. Yeah, right. And like you said, that's John's life abundant. Like yes. That's, that's, that's the life that God not only called us to, but, but gives for us, wants us to have, wants us to live so much more. Uh, and, and, and sharing these stories, sharing this meta narrative, uh, helping people to recognize that the breath that hung the stars in the sky is the breath that's in your lungs. That's right. Um, it is a part of that abundant life. And, that's oh, right. Gosh, it's so good. It is so. It is, man. And I think my challenge to you, as listeners out there, is we've got, and especially in our American culture, we've got to be cautious that we don't turn this into a simple moral religion. Mm. And miss out on what we're speaking of right here. Right. Because I think we can think that discipleship is help me become a better moral Christian. Help me become a good person. That's not necessarily, quote unquote, um, completely off. Although I would say, and I get argued with about this, mm. I would say that in some ways, though, it can become a massive distraction. Oh, no, without question. Because, because what we end up typically missing is living a life that experiences the goodness of our Father, the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of presence with His Spirit, while we are ourselves right. trying to make ourselves right. better. And, and so as you're making disciples, be cautious. Don't try to go make better moral people. Try to help people discover their part in this story. Well, and, and you know that process you're talking about of becoming better more moral people becoming more Christ-like, you know, the big church word of sanctification. Sure, sure. Um, I, I say all the time to to my congregation and to anyone that will listen, um, as a Christ follower, sanctification is not obligatory. It's not something you have to do. It's inevitable. That's right. It's something that will happen to you as you follow Christ. Yes. If- so often we take that element away take it onto ourselves and feel like that's our job. And it's not our job to do that in our own lives. It's our job to do that in other people's lives. And like you said, that word distraction is so perfect because it becomes such a distraction yep. from this incredible, personal, beautiful relationship um, that, that we're invited to have with the God of the universe. You can you can know and be known by the God of the universe. That's right. It's it's unreal. It's That's mind-blowing. Right. That's right. And yet so often we relegate it to the back of our mind. Yeah. You know, the, it's the last thing we think about. It's the last thing we worry about. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, man, let's, let's not struggle so much in what we think is this religious effort that we're obligated mm. to. Let's not struggle so much that we lose our breath instead of being able to breathe in with the breath that yeah. spoke life, that yeah. brought life to us. I mean, I think, mm. I think it's so crucial. So if, if you're a disciple maker out there and you're praying this, you're taking this challenge we've been giving you this year seriously, we encourage you, don't miss the opportunity to really understand your part in this bigger story. And I'll say this real quick. I think you agree with this because I think we've talked about this before that uh, I, I know I've given, over as a pastor over the years, I've given close, probably close to 200 or more copies of the Jesus Storybook Bible to adults. Yeah. 
And the reason I have isn't because I think they're childish or, or they're elementary or need a, a children's Bible, but because I just think it's the best resource out there to help us catch this meta narrative. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and so if, you are, if you're kind of processing or you're hearing this and you're going, I don't think I've really fully wrestled with or danced with or sat in that meta narrative enough to see it for what it really is, maybe that's a good resource to grab and just sit in. No, it's fantastic. And, and to affirm what you've been saying forever and what you just said now, uh, dear friends of ours that have recently had their first child, both of whom grew up in the church, Hey, to their two-month-old child every night, they've picked up this Jesus Storybook Bible. Wow. They read it every night. And both of them individually have expressed to me how much richer their relationship with their Savior has become as they <laughs> themselves, as adults growing up in the church, have been reading through this this Storybook Bible. It's an incredible, incredible resource. I agree, man. We, yeah. we, we continue to read it to our seven, and whether they're 18 or four... Mm. And our 18-year-old obviously typically is more discovering it on his own at this point, but as we encourage him. But but even with our little one, and I'm telling you, man, I've read it hundreds of times now because of how many kids we have. Sure. And <laughs> well, hundreds of kids, I think, right. at last count. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I've read it so much, and yet I still get moved to tears. And it isn't because Sally is just doing this thing on her own that's some magical emotion. She's just restating this spoken word that we're talking about. Yeah. It's powerful. So equippers out there, which is what you get to do uh, and get paid to do, both of us do, as equippers out there that are listening, how do we encourage them? What's a takeaway maybe that we suggest to them as they're not only trying to equip for this meta narrative to help people catch it, and in the ways that they read the scriptures to see their lives in it. Um, but even from a disciple-making standpoint and how it relates to this idea, particularly uh, with creation, separation, redemption, restoration, what might you encourage them with? And, 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 and I'll say this while he's thinking. We intentionally don't give a lot of prep to our guests because we want this podcast to be much more like we sat down and had a conversation together. Which is what we try to make it to be. So I didn't give you this question before. So, but what do you? What what comes to your heart and mind? This is what comes to my heart and mind. the The reason this sermon series is now is in February, um, because believe it or not, March first, the very first sermon I will be preaching uh, that we'll be preaching our family of churches after this series is the first sermon of our Easter series of the Easter series, which is crazy. Um, yeah. We are. We are running downhill toward the cross. Hmm. The reason we put this series here is so that we can have a reference point. That's good for the cross, hmm. um, so that we can we can recognize the. I mean, to say the importance, there isn't even a word to, <laughs> sure. uh, to truly articulate uh, the, the value of the cross. It's, it's the single greatest event in, in human history. But to recognize that, again, it, it wasn't plan B. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this, this, you know, as, as we in, in our congregations kind of march towards that Easter Sunday, Jesus physically marching towards the cross those three years uh, of his ministry, knowing exactly what he was doing, how it is a part of the story from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and 
and that it's not the end of the story. It's good. It doesn't end on the cross. It doesn't end in the empty tomb. It ends with us in the throne room, worshiping and celebrating the God of the universe for all eternity. So good. Yeah. I hear, I hear you say that. And when you said that a second ago about the value of the cross, this was the first thing that came to mind. It's, it's that it's not plan B. I don't think any of us would fathom divinity coming to visit us on earth and us deciding to crucify him. Mm. Right? And so when you think about the intentionality of all that it took to even set that up, right? right? Like that's where I go. The Old Testament makes a lot more sense to me in my skeptic, because I'm a skeptic at heart, and the Old Testament makes a lot more sense to me in my skepticism when I look back at it through that lens. Absolutely. It doesn't make as much sense to me if I remove it from the meta narrative. It, 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 I struggle with it, if I'm honest. And, but if I can look back at it for what it took, what God had to go mm. through mm. to even inside of time set up the moment that the cross would be, it makes more sense to me. Isn't that our own story? Yes. How often do you look back at seasons of your life that in the middle of them, you had no idea what was going on and you look back through this lens of what God has been doing in your life and you can see everything God has been working throughout your entire life, the people he put in place in your life, uh, the places he called you to. It's... It's incredible to see the intentionality with which God desperately pursues us. That's right. I tried to get to him, but you came to me instead. No, it's so good. Yeah. Love that refrain. Yeah. And that, that was the towers? Is that the name the, of that? Yep. Yeah, yep. Good stuff. Well, uh, thank you for joining me today. And, and any last thought you want to throw out, just as all of our campuses and even our listeners out there, are are processing this with us over the next few weeks. Oh gosh, you're going to make me throw out a last thought. You know, honestly, all all I've been thinking um and and kind of where I've landed is there's no way I could I could fill Paul's shoes, but don't tell him <laughs> you're my favorite. <laughs> I won't tell him. I won't okay. tell. Him. Shh. <clears throat> well, well man, I I'm excited about this series, and and I can't say it enough. I'll I will not only continue to be the president of your fan club, and I'm not just saying that because of what you just said. Um, I brag on you all the time, and I'm thankful that you wrote this series mm. and that we're have it at this moment and in this time because I I really do genuinely believe that this may be understanding the meta narrative of scripture may be one of the single most important aspects of becoming a disciple maker, yeah. if not the most important. I, I really believe that. And, I, and so don't miss this. I, I would mm. say that to our listeners. Don't miss. And, and if you want to listen to any of these messages, if you're, if you're a listener out there and, and you aren't uh, part of one of the church families that are connected to our family of churches across Middle Tennessee— you're welcome to go to the various websites, but you can find them if you go to uh, LachlanSpringsChurch.com. Is that right? Perfect. Yeah, right. you got so, it. So L O C K E. That's it's that it's that silent e that gets that's everybody. That's the one that gets that's everybody. Right. That's right. L O C K E 
LANDSpringschurch.com. Right. And from there, you can not only hear uh, the messages that David will be sharing, you can even select other campuses that are connected to our family of churches, including, uh, I think, including our Chinese congregation, including um, Kairos. Inclu- I mean, so, right. you know, lots of opportunity. We even have a Spanish recording of the, the messages that Mike teaches, if you know someone that would love to hear this who speaks Spanish in their heart language. And so... Um, all of that to say, that's all there as a resource. And so we'd love for you to, to check in on that because, again, this, this meta-narrative series is so foundational, and I'm prayer, prayerful and excited about what it's going to mean to us. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be here, Jason. Oh, man, thank you, yeah. bud. Well, if you have anything you want to share back with us, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of pull a punch on Paul here because last time he told you to send all the encouragements to him and all the rebukes to me. So let's flip it. This week, mm-hmm. send all the rebukes to Paul and all the encouragement to me. But it's Dukes at BrentwoodBaptist.com or P. Wilkinson at BrentwoodBaptist.com. You can send us questions or feedback that you have. Um, and we appreciate you tuning in and share this, not because it helps us, but because if it encouraged you, we'd love for you to encourage somebody else with it. And we look forward to hanging with you next episode.